Hi there, nerdlings. This is Ash. And this is Matt. And you're listening to Crime Time Nerds, a sister podcast, which is now a member of the Spilled Potion Independent Arts Collective. You can check out all the awesome things the collective is up to, as well as the other fantastically nerdy podcasts that we've partnered up with over at SpilledPotion.com. And now, nerdlings, let's grab our flashlights and join us as we venture down into the dark world of true crime together. Hey there, nerdlings, and welcome to Crime Time Nerds' first Patreon bonus episode. We are so excited to be giving you folks this, and yeah, this is going to be a really awesome episode, we hope. (laughs) Yeah, it's the first one, so we're really pumped. So thanks for joining us and being a Patreon That is huge for us, and we can't thank you enough. Your support is amazing to us. Yes, seriously. It really, truly, deeply is. So today we are going to be discussing a recently solved case, which we only do a handful of these solved cases. But we chose to cover this one as the person in question was actually listed as a John Doe for the last three years, and he just recently has been given his name back. Our case today takes place along the Appalachian Trail, And if you're not familiar with this hiking expedition, well, you came to the right place because the Appalachian Trail actually runs through Vermont. So we know a thing or two about this historic trail. The Appalachian Trail starts in Maine and runs through 14 states all the way to Georgia. It is a fairly popular trail among hiking fans. And this hiking expedition is 2,190 miles long, which can vary slightly due to rerouting and what have you. And this trail can take the average hiker up to six months to complete. Wow, that's crazy. Yeah. What's the furthest you've ever hiked? You're kind of a hiker. Oh, man. Um, I think the longest I've hiked has been like 10 miles. Oh, geez. Yeah, it took a while. <laughs> wow. Yeah, no, I haven't done 10 miles. I think I've done maybe like maybe two or three. Like hiking, hiking, I should say. I mean, obviously, I like walking and I go for runs, but hiking, hiking, like up a mountain or something or on a trail, (laughs) maybe two or three. I'm kind of, we all know, I'm not really like Captain Outdoorsy, so Mm -hmm. this is definitely more your territory than mine. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah, I mean, I, I really, really do enjoy hiking. And I mean, sometimes they can just be super treacherous hikes due to how hot it is because when you have the sun beating down on you. Yeah. Um. But for the most part, you have tree coverage, but there are some hikes that are kind of bald. They It's like mostly rock on the side. Huh. Um, so, yeah, that's no fun because you're just getting no. beat by the sun and it's hot and it's, uh, yeah, you got to make sure you have enough water. <laughs> yeah, I've read too many stories of what happens to hikers in bad situations. I've also watched way too many horror movies about what happens to hikers <laughs> I don't tend to be one for hiking, but I have mad respect for for folks who do. I think it's really cool. Oh, yeah. I totally bring my dog every time because I'm that person that's like, "Hmm, I know way too much about true crime to be out in the woods by myself. Well, I would do that, but we've all met my dogs. And uh, yeah, they're about like me. We're indoor kitties, the three of us. (laughs) That's the best way to say it. The two dogs are... Brie might do well on a hike. She likes hiking. But uh, Riley and I usually spend the hike whining that we're having a hike. So <laughs> it's kind of how the hikes go with us. My husband, your brother's a big hiker, too. He's yeah super into it. But uh, yeah, I didn't get that, Jean. Not so much. <laughs> oh, man. Love it. Yeah, right. <laughs> 
So as we've mentioned in a few of our older episodes, New England tends to have a weather temperament all of its own. Mm. It can change on a dime and go from absolutely sunny and safe to being a dangerous storm in minutes. So hikers should be aware that there are dangers that lurk among hiking the trail that you should always be prepared for. And unfortunately, as a hiker myself, I've been unprepared in situations, but I've also seen a lot of other hikers that are very unprepared, which yeah. is, is scary. <laughs> Definitely. Especially when you're on like major trails, it can get real bad real fast. Oh, yeah. And I think I mentioned this in our um, Bennington Triangle episode that I was on a hike, my partner and I and our dog, and... um we saw a hiker who was absolutely dehydrated and he Yikes. happened to not sign in to the trail list when he first got in the register. It's crazy. And he said he was so dehydrated that he was making like very unsafe decisions. Oof. And that's where it gets pretty scary. Yeah, that's crazy. That's that's the part that I, I get scared about, too, because it's, it's not so much about what's on the trail, but it's a lot of things can go wrong so like all at once and you don't even realize it until it's too late. So. Oh yeah. And and I'm sure he had been hiking before, but it was just oh, that yeah. one time didn't bring enough water, didn't drink enough water beforehand. And I mean, sometimes you look up a trail online and it says, Oh yeah, super moderate trail, not hard at all. Yeah. And you get there and you're like, wow, that person must've been a marathon runner because this is <laughs> definitely harder than, than it said. Actually, uh, my girlfriends and I had that happen to us a few years ago. They had found this trail not far from where we were staying, and it was only supposed to be like maybe a 0.5-mile walk. What ended up happening is is that this was actually way more than a half a mile walk. So I just think of those type of situations, and that was a fine trail. It wasn't bad at all, but yeah, that can happen to a lot of people. Oh, yeah. Very scary. So a lot of people will actually hike certain trails along the Appalachian Trail if they want to do kind of like a day hike situation and not fully commit to a full six-month adventure. Mm. So it's not off limits to new hikers that just want to experience a small part of the trail. Many hikers will train for this expedition due to the steep ascents, grueling summer heat, wildlife, and just straight endurance needed to trek the whole trail. The highest elevation on the trail is a whopping 6,643 feet. So now that we've given a little backstory on just what the Appalachian Trail is, let's get moving on our case. All right, nerdlings, it's time to pack those backpacks, grab a headlamp, and head into the wild wilderness known as the Appalachian Trail, while we discuss the tale of the man many hikers knew only as mostly harmless. One thing that I've noticed about being an adventure-loving nerdling is that being in the outdoors really gets my mind off technology. Having your phone glued to your hand is not the healthiest thing for many of us humans. Sometimes we forget to look up and enjoy the world around us. This was the case for a young hiker who wanted to break the barrier of technology in everyday life and head off into the wilderness for some good old nature therapy. Our story begins in April of 2017, when a young man decided to hike the Appalachian Trail. This young man would later be referred to as mostly harmless. One thing many hikers who had come in contact with the man noticed was that he wasn't as prepared for the elements as many of the Appalachian trail hikers would normally be. The man in question had a backpack, which seemed a bit too big and too heavy for his upcoming adventure. It was also noted that he was wearing jeans, which was quite unusual to fellow hikers, but to each their own. Because of his fashion statement, he developed the trail name known as Denim. 
and many hikers develop a trail name given to them by other hikers they meet along the way. Denham soon turned into Mostly Harmless, because that is how he later described himself to other hikers while conversing around a campfire. It is said that the name Mostly Harmless came from a book called The Hitchhiker's Guide to the Galaxy. I love this book so much by Douglas Adams, which, if you nerdlings haven't read it, you should. It's a good laugh and just a good story, but I love that that's where his name came from. I think it might be a movie as well, is it? They made a movie of it. Uh, maybe like 10 years ago, I think. Okay, I was going to say, because I, when I... It's cute. Yeah, when I heard of it, I was like, I think that might be a movie, I, but I haven't read the book or seen the movie, so... <laughs> uh, I'll have to lend it to you. <laughs> so one thing of interest is that along these long hiking trails, you will find some wonderful people known as trail angels. And the trail angels will often offer hikers a warm meal or even a shower. This was a case for Mostly Harmless. During his travels, he had met a trail angel named Kelly Fairbanks. Fairbanks said she had seen a man walking, and she had noticed he was a hiker along the trail due to his long beard and hiking poles. In an article from CBS News, a reporter had asked Fairbanks why Mostly Harmless stuck out to her. Her response was, quote, He just had a really kind aura about him, and he was joking and laughing with me, had a beautiful smile, and he had beautiful eyes different from any other hiker, unquote. Aww. So clearly he had made an impact on his trail angel. Mostly Harmless seemed to have had an impact on every person he came into contact with. It just goes to show you what kind of a person he really was. During his interaction with Fairbanks, she remembered him stating that he did not have a cell phone. When she asked him why this was, he simply expressed to her that he just wanted to disconnect. Being in such a technological world, this would have seemed a little strange. Mostly Harmless never stated his real name to anyone he met along his travels. He even used an alias, Ben Billamy, when checking into hotels, according to authorities. Mostly Harmless had been on the trail for around 10 months. He started in New York and ended up making his way down to Florida. On July 23, 2018, two hikers noticed a yellow tent all by its lonesome, in the Big Cypress National Preserve. They had called out to the isolated tent, but no one answered. The hikers saw Boots sitting right outside the tent, and finding the scene unsettling, the hikers investigated further. Inside the tent was the body of the kindly hiker, known only as Mostly Harmless. The two hikers called in the authorities. According to an article by Jason Nark, found in Adventure Journal, titled, The Mystery of Deceased Hiker, Mostly Harmless, is at long last solved. A few of the things authorities found in the tent with Mostly Harmless included two notebooks that were filled with computer codes, hiking gear and supplies, including food, and a plastic bag filled with money amounting to almost $4,000 in cash. All of these findings were for the most part pretty normal for a hiker besides the big wad of cash. The super strange part is that authorities did not find any identifying credit cards license, or anything with this person's name on it. They didn't even find a cell phone, which seems to me that Mostly Harmless did not want to be known. I mean, even if I was planning to hike even for the day and not use my debit or credit cards, I would still have one on my person just in case of emergency because you never know. You, you don't know the future. You never know what's going to lay ahead. Um, I think a lot of people would. So now the biggest question in this case is, who was this man? Was he running from something? Was he running from someone? Did he just want to disappear? 
Mm, yeah, for sure. I don't know. Like, I'm with you. I would definitely have my my driver's license with me. I'd have my just some kind of ID. I don't I don't know if I ever go out without them. You know. Mm-hmm. It's just it's unusual that he he wouldn't have brought like something with him, anything. Just on this. I mean, you're going away for for months at a time, but. I mean, I guess he was really serious. He really wanted to reinvent himself and just kind of reset and be somebody completely different. Yeah. Yeah, definitely. That would be super hard for me. I mean, mm-hmm. even in my wallet, I have pictures of my family because if I were to leave for six months, I'd want to see photos or something, but like mm-hmm. bring comfort. I don't know. No, I'm with you. Mm-hmm. It's it, it's hard to just let go of everything in your life and just escape into the wild, you know? Yeah, Definitely. The local sheriff's department went public with the findings of the body of Mostly Harmless in order to try and identify this unknown man. Police released a composite picture of what the man would have looked like had he still been alive. When investigators found Mostly Harmless, his body had weighed a mere 83 pounds. Authorities believe that he had died just a few days before the hiker found his tent and body. In efforts to identify this John Doe, authorities gave a description, which is as follows. They believed him to be anywhere between 30 to 55 years of age, had salt and pepper colored hair, he had blue eyes, and his teeth were in immaculate condition. It was also stated in the autopsy that the only foreign chemical found in his blood was remnants of ibuprofen and antihistamine, or allergy medication. Even with a composite picture and the description of the man, No one came forward to identify Mostly Harmless. In the age of technology and having met so many people and having his photos taken all throughout the trail that year, it just boggles my mind that no one recognized this man. It's it's crazy to me. Yeah, it's, well, I mean, we see it all the time, though. There are lots and lots of John and Jane Doe's all throughout the United States, so. Yeah, I guess that's true, but I guess I just, like, he had so many pictures of him. Mm -hmm. I don't know. I guess I... I don't know. Yeah, it just kind of shows it goes both ways that like people identify through their names. So you could meet this person a billion times, but if you don't have their actual name or any clue about where they're from, they've kind of become a ghost. Yeah, yeah, I guess that's true. Kelly Fairbanks, the woman who was a trail angel, actually identified the images of the unidentified man as belonging to that of the man she knew only as mostly harmless. But still... No one knew his real name. Time passed and the case began to gain some traction and attention within the online community. Forensic testing can cost a pretty penny, so the goal of the internet sluice was to raise enough money to get advanced DNA testing for Mostly Harmless in order to help aid in identifying the now-deceased trail hiker. The online sluice turned to crowdfunding and raised enough money in eight days to get the advanced DNA testing in place for this John Doe. What they learned from the outcomes of this testing would be huge. Genetic genealogy researchers found that Mostly Harmless was most likely from Assumption, Paris, Louisiana. Even armed with this knowledge, months passed by with no identity yet known for the kind hiker. An article written by Nicholas Thompson called A Nameless Hiker and the Case the Internet Can't Crack, which you can find on Wired.com, had begun circulating on the internet. The internet remained fairly quiet on Mostly Harmless's case until a man came forward stating that he knew who Mostly Harmless was. Randall Godso was reading the article when he spotted the photo of Mostly Harmless. 
In an article on CBS News, Randall Godso stated that, quote, As soon as I saw the pictures, I knew immediately. It's like, oh, that's Vance. A tingle ran down my spine, unquote. As it would turn out, Vance, a.k.a. Mostly Harmless, and Randall Godso were college roommates. Looking deeper into the life of Mostly Harmless, who had finally gotten his identity back and was now known to be Vance Rodriguez, answers were given as to why he may have wanted to leave his life behind and turn towards a life of off-grid living. When Vance was in his 30s, he decided to leave his home state of Louisiana and try out the city life. He moved to New York and worked as a computer programmer and was described as being brilliant in his field of development. It was also revealed that Vance had been in abusive and toxic relationships throughout his life. Vance was also said to have been estranged from his family at the time of his disappearance. In an interview with CBS News, Vance's old college roommate, Randall Godso, was met with questions as to who Vance had been before becoming mostly harmless. When asked about Vance and why he seemed so happy and involved when he met people along the trail, but had such a troubled life, Randall responded with this statement. Quote, it's not really a difference. It's a difference in when you're talking to him. When he was in a good mood, he was very easy to talk to. He was very friendly. But he would also turn off and be in a bad mood. And the trail people never saw that. Because if he decided he wasn't going to talk to anyone, he literally just would not talk to anyone. And so no one would remember him that way, I'm sure, unquote. This makes total sense to me because if Vance was having a bad day, he could just hang out in his tent or in his area, go on a little trail walk off the trail and just not engage with anyone. And so no one would really judge him for being aloof when he felt like that. Yeah, that makes sense to me. I I totally agree with that. It allowed him to be free from just those constraints of society that we all have to participate in, you know, the niceties, I should say. Mm -hmm. Sometimes you just need to unclick from it all and just kind of take that step back and reset. And that sounds to me like what Vance needed desperately, that he needed to be able to have that time to be in a bad mood and not have to engage with anybody or fake it. Oh, yeah. And I mean, I've definitely felt like this before. I've Mm. There's been times where I've had plans with people and I've just had a really bad day at yeah. work and I just just like oh man I cannot socialize with anybody like I have to cancel <laughs> yeah I think it's the plight of the um introvert is what I always say because I'm the same way yeah I come off pretty chatty but I'm actually very like introverted and there are days where I just I need to to be alone and decompress in order to kind of get that reset and it sounds like Vance was kind of a kindred spirit in that yeah definitely So Mostly Harmless was given his name back this year. We now know that the Appalachian Trail hiker who took his name from an old comedic science fiction book and reinvented himself was once a computer programmer by the name of Vance Rodriguez. I definitely have a lot of questions as to what happened to Vance when he was out on the trails. It's weird that, you know, one minute he was fine and then all of a sudden he's down to like 80 some pounds and then... They find him, you know, deceased in his tent. So I do have to wonder what could have occurred to cause what seemed like a seemingly healthy young man to die so suddenly. Yeah, and I I do have to question, I wonder if there were photographs taken of Vance a couple months beforehand, because it takes a lot to lose that amount of weight that quick. Yeah, and it sounded like... People had seen him fairly recently, mm-hmm. so it was it was fairly sudden, it seemed. But 
It's also weird that he'd lost that much weight and he had that much food. Like, he had provisions. It wasn't that he didn't. So, it doesn't sound like it was starvation because he had food. Or he had food available to him, I should say. Yeah. And I mean, this case kind of reminds me of Chris McCandles. Yeah, If you listeners have watched, yeah, Into the Wild. Into the Wild. It's based on a true story about Chris McCandles. And he actually had died because he had, I think it was poisonous berries that he ate. It was berries, yeah. Yeah. Um, And he had died because of that. And it's almost, I mean, I forage mushrooms. And I wonder if maybe he picked up a poisonous mushroom because there are a lot of lookalikes out there. Yeah, there are. And he may have had food at the ready, but if he was sick and vomiting all the time, like... True. I don't know if that's legitimate because how much weight can one person lose if you're sick for a week, you know, like not keeping food down. It definitely wouldn't be that much weight, but it just makes you think. Yeah. I don't have a really good explanation. I did wonder about that myself and I had the same thing. It did remind me of, of into the wild that I was like, Oh, Mm -hmm. something about the case just totally reminds me of that. I kind of wonder if Vance maybe had been diagnosed with, some terminal illness. Mm-hmm. I kind of lean towards that myself. Whether that's true or not, we'll find out hopefully one day, but that's my theory. It just seems that his actions were that of somebody who maybe was dealing with some complications or some, some serious health issues. Mm-hmm. The fact that he picked up all of his belongings, basically left his identity behind intentionally. Mm-hmm. The fact that he got it in his mind that he was going to go walk the Appalachian Trail, which isn't something that, like, you just decide to do one day. But it's kind of interesting, like, what spurred those actions. Like, what would have prompted a man who was leading the developer techie life to just leave all of that behind and go venture forth into the woods? To me, it feels like some pretty crazy drastic stuff would need to happen Mm -hmm. to do that. Yeah, and going out and hiking a trail for upwards of six, seven, eight months. Yeah. You're meeting all these people and they don't know anything about you. So if you did have a disease or did have a terminal illness or something that you didn't want just taking over the last months of your life, he didn't have to tell anybody that. And no one would have ever known. Nope. So it's kind of like he took himself out of the life he was living and he just wanted to be normal Vance again. But instead of being Vance, he came up with another name, mostly Harmless, and he didn't have all that, say, if he had any baggage or this terminal illness, what have you. He didn't have that with him when he was going on the trail. He was just a regular human. Yeah, he could reinvent himself. Yeah, yeah. It's true. Like, you know, I think we all have the idea of like, ah, you know, I'm going to just pick up stakes and go out, do this crazy quest and be someone different for a while. Try Mm -hmm. something new. Yeah. I I have mad respect because Vance actually did it, which good on him because a lot of us aren't that brave to leave everything behind and just see where the world takes you. Mm -hmm. It's pretty cool that he did. And I think... I'd like to think that the last few months where he was on that trail were his happiest. I really would. Oh, yeah, definitely. It doesn't seem like there was any foul play at hand in this case. This really does seem like it was some kind of situation that occurred. Natural event, I should say. Whether it was health or, I mean, more than likely health. That seems to be what prompted his demise, not 
murder or anything like that. Yeah, and I mean, what I said before about, say, eating a poisonous mushroom or eating something that didn't agree with you, there'd be puke around, or if you got murdered, there would most likely be bruises, what have you, mm. that would suggest something happened to you or blood or something, and they're, yeah. they're just... I mean, the hikers came up on the tent and it just kind of looked like a a normal situation, like hiking boots outside of the tent. The tent was just by itself. Yeah. So. But he wasn't an experienced hiker either, so. Yeah, yep. There are a lot of things that can happen to you when you're out in the wild. There really are. I think we tend to forget that nowadays because we aren't often out there, but. Yeah. You know, any little misstep and could be your life, so. I'm just, I'm glad that they were able to finally identify him. Oh, yeah, definitely. That's like, I just remember seeing this case a couple years ago and being like, how? There's so many pictures of this person. He met so many people. Yeah, this how? is your case. That yeah. year is your baby. Like, how? How? I just, I didn't understand it. Yeah, I mean, it just shows, though, that no matter what, if somebody wants to disappear, they can. Mm-hmm. I mean, if you don't bring your driver's license and you don't have something specific that identifies you, or if you're not found right away, you really can just be lost. Mm -hmm. So it's kind of a a modern-day example of how we see Jane and John Doe cases occur because he didn't bring any of his stuff with him intentionally in his case, but Mm -hmm. he had no identification, just some notebooks with some computer code, and it literally was just those photographs were the only reason anyone was able to identify him. Yeah. So... If they hadn't had those, he'd probably still be unidentified, mm-hmm. which, I mean, that's kind of crazy to think about. But, you know, it does make you realize how easy it is for somebody to become a John Doe or a Jane Doe. Yeah. Yep. This is a perfect example. Yeah, yeah absolutely. At least they, it didn't take as many years for some of these to be solved. What they solved it in four? Yeah, I think it was something around that. Yeah. yeah so pretty recent. Yeah. But I'm glad they got his name. And with that, nerdlings, we conclude this chapter of Crime Time Nerds. And if you liked this episode, or any of our others, feel free to leave us a review on iTunes or your preferred podcast subscriber. You can also hit us up on our Instagram at crimetimenerds, or check our case notes out at crimetimenerds.com, where we post references and photos of all of our cases. We also have a Twitter account, which is at crimetimenerds, and an email you can reach us at, which is crimetimenerds at gmail.com. Until next time, you crime-loving nerds.